Hey guys, welcome to the Restless Podcast. I'm your host, Elia Sparza. I'm a recording artist, songwriter, content creator, and just another 20-something trying to figure it all out. We'll be sharing the stories of creatives, entrepreneurs, and young successful people on how they got to where they are and the risks they took to get there. I'm recording this at the wonderful Beacon Hill Recording Studios. And if you're interested in keeping up with us day to day, you can follow us on our social media at Restless Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends about us, and rate us. Let's get on with the show. Okay, guys, I'm so excited for this next episode. I've been wanting to interview this person for a very long time, and finally, our schedules collided. And we're making magic happen. So our next guest got his start as a venture capitalist. He's a partner at GTIF Capital and sits on several boards, including FaZe Clan, MyCamp, Chosen by Doctors, and NACL. He's also part of Downtown Spaces here in El Paso, Texas, and is part of the development of El Paso in so many big ways, which we'll get into. He's developed several strategies for companies and is also fluent in five languages, which helps because he travels across the world constantly, and he's been featured on CNN, Forbes, South by Southwest, and you can always find him in a new city. So I present to you the wonderful, the very talented, and the very, very, like, entertaining David Chen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Big fan, as as I've mentioned to you. (laughs) I always say that. uh, I remember when I saw you on The Voice, it was... uh, (laughs) <laughs> very magical and a very proud moment. So I was very, very happy that we've become friends, and 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 I'm really honored to be a part of this podcast. Thanks yeah, for having me. thank you so much for being here. And I know you have your own podcast as well, which we'll have to plug in because uh, Pandanomics, right? That's correct. Uh, Pandanomics is really talking about business and life, but a really health, wealth balance, and how I did that uh, will be featured this uh, 18th to 20th at South by Southwest. Uh, we're real lucky we'll be having Jess Estrada, who owns Hughes Men's uh, Brand, which is a part of Matt Barnes, Jeremy Roenick, who played at, with the, at the NHL for uh, 20 years, a uh, Super All-Star, and is one of my business partners, and Gary Kitchen, who actually founded Donkey Kong, uh, oh, wow. Atari, uh, <laughs> was VP of Nickelodeon. He's also one of my partners. So I'm super excited to interview them over there. And this is my second time speaking at South by Southwest, so I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, that's so exciting. I mean, ever since we've met and we've had several meetings discussing, you know, just different things, and you've been telling me what you're involved in, I've wanted to get you on the podcast because I think a lot of people know who you are, especially here in El Paso, um, and have kind of like a lot of questions into like how you got started, how you've been able to expand yourself into so many different businesses and be successful. So let's start from the beginning. What, uh, how did you get involved into venture capitalism? Well, I, I started my career at Deloitte, uh, which is the largest county finance firm. And it was kind of funny because it was almost serendipitous by fate. Um, you know, growing up in El Paso, I think one of the hardest things is where we think we're in a small city and we think that there's not a lot of opportunities and the great ones leave and some stay and come back. And I think that becomes an epic center of, you know, the ability for our, our city to grow and become better. And what happened with me was my parents had restaurants and it came from tragedy. Uh, I don't know, most people, I don't know this, but I came to the country very, very poor. I was homeless. I lived out of a garbage can, um, dig for my food. And this is not family money. This is hardworking money and consistent failures that have allowed me to have experiences and blessings for, for things that have worked. Um, and I can definitely tell most people out there that I probably have failed way more than I've ever succeeded. Uh, I just don't, I just have a very different outlook on things when it comes to things like that. And I think when you're homeless and you can't even afford a bologna sandwich, um, it really shapes you. 
and it makes you hardworking and it makes you really believe that the world can be fair if you work on your own talents and go from there. And what happened was I was 22 years old. At that point, I was going to University of Arizona. My amazing parents, they went from immigrants and working in the kitchens to renting restaurants to having Pedro Zaragoza fly and meet them in Aspen where they were renting a restaurant and offered to have him come into Ciudad Juarez where we had Bambu Palace and Don Fon and Rosalana and, you know, a lot of a lot of Chinese restaurants in Ciudad Juarez, but we lived here in El Paso, which is how I learned Spanish. Wow. And it was such an amazing journey because it was all by fate. You know, had there been Google at the time, I guarantee you, we probably wouldn't be sitting in front of each other. Yeah. Uh, but it was very, very lucky. My parents took the opportunity to come to this great city. And we got here, and they worked really, really hard. I didn't have my first house. I was 15. I don't think a lot of people don't know that. I didn't even realize that there were uh, – uh, you had to put anything underneath a mattress. I always thought that you would get the mattresses and throw them on the floor. <laughs> and I had no idea that that was something that actually existed. Wow. Because us growing up, we would drive around the ghettos where we lived, and we would take the beds from the garbage cans for us. I mean, and I mean we were dramatically poor – but my parents worked very, very hard, and they instilled in me working very, very hard at a young age. And I think that's where things have been a little bit more different. And when you come from an environment like that where you, you, you know, have to dig through stuff like that and kids are making fun of you and English is not necessarily your first language and your parents can't help you pass the third grade. Uh, I always tell a story about how I – my mom tells me this. I don't even remember. She says that uh, I made honor roll. And I showed it to her, and she didn't know what that meant. So I threw it away, and my grades started dropping. So she went to school, and the teacher was like, your son's made honor roll. She finally realized what it was, that I was doing good in school. You know, And those are the things that I think have shaped me and changed me. And, and when people think and they, they know me, they have no idea where I really came from and, and, and how I got here. And when I was in college, and I, you know, like, like most young men, I didn't think straight. You know, I was... So caught up in the game, trying to be cool, uh, trying to buy the more expensive shoes, a nice car, trying to be a party guy, that I almost lost myself as an individual because that wasn't the way we were taught. You know, I didn't want to be ashamed on a Sunday when I was going to see my mother and my grandmother because I was partying crazy on a Saturday night, mm. right? And so I had to really balance that out. And when I was at college, I'd stay there for about six years. And for an Asian, I should, I should be getting my PhD, <laughs> but I couldn't even graduate and get my... Uh, uh, my, my bachelor's, and then all of a sudden my mom had a heart attack, my dad had a heart attack, and for me to keep our home, it was you coming home. So I came home, and it was weird because circumstances will either make you very, very strong, or you will use every excuse and blame everybody for why it didn't work. And at that point, the circumstance was if you lose that business anymore, you would be homeless again, mm. a second time. And I came home, and my sister, you know, she skipped a grade, so she should have gone to U of A, and she did go to U of A. And I ended up coming home, and I worked for three years. So I was 25 years old, driving a busted Honda, 100 hours a week, 120 hours a week. Never went out seven days a week because I wanted to keep our home. My parents didn't have health insurance. Mm. So the bills were massive. And I worked there for three years to really kind of implement policies and procedures and try to make it work. And then Again, by fate, because it was bad in three years of, of, of just kind of being alone. And, you know, it, it didn't feel great because I didn't graduate college. It didn't feel great because when I graduated high school, I had the assumption that I was going to be something greater and better. And, and we make these plans. And the only thing I tell you about plans is plans never work out. Mm -hmm. Right? But it's, it's how you work around them. 
and then one day uh, our accountant got purchased. Our accountant that was at, with us at the time, he his company got bought out by Deloitte, and there was a man named Fosso Gallardo, uh, rest his soul, great guy, and he said, "Hey, I'm looking for someone who speaks Spanish, Chinese, and English." And Victor, uh, at the time, that was my accountant. He says, uh, "Robert speaks Spanish, Chinese, and English." But he goes, well, there's no way Robert's going to do it. He has a restaurant. Oh, he's, oh, well, he's got a son named David who's, who's a lot younger and his Spanish is better and his English is better. I'm sure his Chinese is equally as good. Let's give it a shot. So when that had happened, that was when the opportunity came out of nowhere. I didn't expect this opportunity to come out of nowhere, and I took it. And they wanted me to uh, do Chinese business in the region, in Mexico and El Paso, and really kind of bring businesses so during my career, it's the world's largest accounting finance firm. They did $46 billion last year. Every major company you can imagine works with them. I started with, the, with working and consulting, and like anybody else that was there, almost forgot who I was again for a second time because we went from making no money to making 70000 a year you know, from 25, and all of a sudden you have the dream job that everybody's begging to get that you have to have a degree in, and I have it. And I worked there for six months, and I got fired. And I got fired because uh, I had asked for trainings. I didn't have good sales. And I started getting very, very upset and started blaming people. I said, look, you didn't train me. You didn't teach me. Why would you bring me here? Why would you, you know, have this happen to me? And I think with anything, when it comes to fail, you start blaming. Mm. And after two months of crying and praying and begging and, and, and you know, even contemplating suicide at one point, I realized that the only person that was going to help me was me. So I got off my butt, and I asked Antonio Gary, who was the manager part of the time, I said, hey, do me a favor, and uh, I will do you value proposition. So I always tell people, if you give me a shot, I will take a 60% pay cut and make 2000 a month when my mortgage payment and my car was more than that. Mm-hmm. put myself in debt. But if I hit a sales goal of 15000 in three months, you keep me on for the rest of the year. And it worked. The difference with the second time was I Googled – I researched, I found out what I could do. The whole world, you know, knowledge is in your hands on a cell phone and we're <laughs> scrolling through Instagram. Yeah. Or, you know, we're not, we're not literally learning things. So it's not an ability of not wanting to, it's I don't care to. And because I changed that mentality and really didn't have a choice because either that or being homeless again, I uh, did very, very well and then found another region, Tijuana, where they also had Chinese business. And then we started doing Ciudad de Mexico and the EFE. So then for 10 years, as I owned all the clubs and the bars here in El Paso and restaurants, I was actually flying back and forth from here to Ciudad de Mexico and working with probably the largest maquiladoras uh, in the region. So companies like Foxcom, Hyundai, Lenovo, those are clients that I brought in here, even ICBC Bank. I helped bring them into Mexico so, and the region here, here in El Paso. So it was a very, very interesting process, and that's kind of how I got started uh, in the initial part of my life. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know most of that story. And, <laughs> and, and people see, like, the highlights. They think, like, oh, you were just you just appeared there at this level in your career. Right. But when or your parents just gave you the money. Yeah. Right. And, it, it, and a lot of the time, it's not like that. And... And that's why I wanted to bring you on, especially because you have all that going on. And then what kind of started the idea to start building businesses here in El Paso, like the restaurants and the bars and stuff like that? The restaurants were circumstantial because that's how we came here. You mm-hmm. know, we, we had our restaurants in, in Ciudad Juarez. 
my parents are having businesses in El Paso. But I think for me, the conduit was business, right? It's, I always call it EQ. You can't just do sales or you can't just get to know someone and expect them to help you out because they're trying to put their name on the line. So when I get constantly hit up by people to help them out and do something, I'll talk to anybody and I'll give them all the advice I can. But if I'm going to put my name out there, I'm risking losing my reputation for you if you don't do a good job. And so what happened was when I realized that that was a niche that existed and I could speak Spanish, English, and Chinese here, a lot of my clients were coming into town from other countries like China and Taiwan, and they didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And instead of just trying to get the sale and trying to close a deal, I just became their friends. And some clients took me three years to become, but I became genuinely their friends. And I didn't need anything out of them. And I think that's what people do wrong. They just do a sale and they leave, or you don't give me what I want, I disappear. Well, you obviously didn't care about me, and that tells me about your character. And because I did it that way, I started really getting to know them. I earned their trust. And the one thing I tell a lot of people was we typically at Deloitte at that point, I'd take 33% profit was our minimum. Mm-hmm. I would take 10%. And I would tell people, look, if I can get the 10% and you give me a chance to grow and do good, I promise you that you will continue to use me and that I can increase my revenue line, which is what I did. And then from there, after doing that and doing the sales, we started working and, and realizing that, okay, opening a bar would help out because I could bring my clients there, which is how the bar started, really, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, and kind of move forward with it. And, and that's kind of where we kind of balanced both of those out. So again, the, the running joke always was I was at Deloitte in the morning and then at lunch, I would take off my jacket, put on my chef coat and work from <laughs> one to three. Then I go back to work from three to six and then... I would go do the night shift at, at the restaurant until 12, or I would go to the clubs different nights a week and wake up at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning and start all over again. And the whole entire times when I had the bars and clubs, I don't think most people realize <laughs> that I was running a $30 million division doing consulting for the largest companies because they just saw a highlight and they didn't really ask and see what I was really doing. That's so interesting, especially because, I mean, I know even now you just got back from New York. You literally just got off the plane and then <laughs> yeah, you came here. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> so how do you balance, like, everything that you're involved with, like, mentally and physically and just balancing the businesses themselves? Um, well, you know, I, I think the one thing I, I try to to teach, and it's because I've made all these mistakes, so I know which means I have all the answers, but these are just my personal experiences, right? <clears throat> and the first thing is, when nobody has, everyone asks us, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, uh, what do you want to be? You know, where, how much money do you want to make? What kind of cars do you want? No one ever asks, how do you become happy? Mm. Right? And what happens is we end up, because of the way we, are, we see our highlight reels on social media, we start making mistakes. We start thinking that, you know, all the grind that's there is so elaborate and, and luxurious that these people somehow, poof, came out of nowhere. My second problem that when I see this thing, and I've had this discussion you know, with Gary Vee, a friend of mine, uh, you know, Steve Babcock, a lot of these big names, and, and, and it is that there's so much fake sauce. In other words, here I am driving you know, the rolls and running around with all this nice stuff and flying around, but what you didn't see was how hard it took and how many tears, and even the tears I still have today and going from there. And as much money as you can make, there's a reason that people commit suicide. Mm. They're not happy. Money doesn't do you know bring happiness. But it, money doesn't buy happiness either. 
but being broke doesn't buy anything as well. Yeah. Right. So there's the, there's that counterpoint argument. For me specifically, I think it's important to kind of just note that if you are not happy with yourself genuinely and who you are as a human being and what you're doing and what you mean to yourself and then can move forward on that, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how successful you are, how many Grammys you win, how many cars you have, how many houses you have, how many followers you have. It means zilch. Yeah. And that's why I say I start with doing things that make me happy. And my general rule when I mentor, coach, or do any of my classes is I want you to write down everything that you're grateful for. Breathing, walking, having a mom, having a dad, having a car, having food in your stomach, clothes on your back. That is a shift in your mindset. You have to be grateful for everything. And every time something new comes in, you write on that list and you read that list. And that is your sanctuary. That is your 15, 20 minutes of going over everything that you have because what we focus on is everything we don't have. Oh, that's so true. And it's painful. Yeah. It's very, very it's painful. Like, it doesn't matter how much you've accomplished and then you're just thinking like, why haven't I done this yet? Right. When will I accomplish this? Will I be happy or successful once I do this? Right. And it's about the journey. It's about the journey. And, 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 and it's easy to say because everyone's journey is different. And for most people, it's just how many times I can do this until I, until I realize I can't do it anymore. But what's helped me is realizing what makes me happy. Uh, the other thing is, I, it, it, it's, it's interesting, but I, I listen to a couple of songs that make me happy. And they make me bounce around. They're good beats. Uh, but they make me happy. It changes my mindset. I don't watch things that stress me out. I, if I'm having a long day, I'm not watching Shark Tank because I'm thinking <laughs> about business and it stresses yeah, me out. Yeah. I put myself in a place of tranquility so that when I'm working and I'm having a bad day, I don't come home and take out my significant other. Mm. Right? Because the problem is my significant other. It might be something annoying, but what ends up happening is I am projecting my anger towards them in the wrong way which then leads to more unhappiness because now you're unhappy at home and at work. And a lot of people don't understand that balance. And it took me until I was about 35 to realize that that was not what I wanted in my life. And I had to take a real honest, hard look about the type of person I was, what I was doing wrong, you know, a lot of things that I wasn't very proud of at the time and really try to change and find the inner peace and the inner happiness. So my question is, how do you find happiness? And that's when I went back and I said, perspective-wise, here are the little things that I have, which in the, in the real world, those are giant things, right? And then from there, everything else kind of started falling in place because if it didn't happen, it's okay. I still have a home to go to and I still have my parents around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and that's kind of how I, I made my mindset. You have to change your mindset. And if you can't change that, nothing else matters. I've been to the top. I've been in the bottom. <laughs> I've been the cool guy. I've been the hated guy. I've been everything else in between. I will tell you. At every single point, it became dark because we always wanted more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And if it wasn't more, it wasn't enough. Mm. And that's what I mean by you're not happy. Yeah. So how do you make yourself happy? And for me, it's just being grateful for the little things that you have and focusing on that and then adjusting your thought process and the energy changes. The people you hang around with change. The people that come in your life change. The reasoning it comes changes. And it's not one of those things where it happens in a week or a month or even in a year. It is a consistent development that you have to have, but then good things do happen. And it's mm-hmm. just an energy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it might sound a little kooky to some people, but I promise you if, you, if you at least write down what you're grateful for, you will look at things a lot more different. It's true. It's like, I do that every single morning, actually. It's like, awesome. write five things I'm grateful for, five things I hope to do today. 
And and then at night, I just like, what was the best part of your day? Right. That's like, and, and it's that little, it takes like two seconds, but it's that little reminder that sets me like, everything's going to be fine. Just create, just be grateful. Absolutely. Just keep going type of thing. Especially because I feel like most of the time, like we're not in the control of everything that's going on around us. So we just have to focus on like what we can control and that's what we're grateful for. So I love the way you think. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And so now let's talk about a little bit of like all the different things you're involved in as far as like, I know there's phase clan, I know there's chosen by doctors. And then you were talking about NACL. Um, How did you kind of decide you wanted to get involved or be a partner of these different companies? Um, You know, by no which means was it was it simple. I think I think there was a turning point in my life at 35 where I had to take a hard look where I was, and and the clubs were doing pretty good, and the bars were doing decent, and a lot of people knew who I, you know they knew my name, and I walk around, and people would talk to me, and it was a great superficial feeling, mm. but again mm-hmm. I wasn't happy, and I wasn't proud, and uh, you know the reality was when that had happened. I just said, you know what, this is enough. I'm done. I'm going to shut them all down. I'll keep, you know, King Crab, one or two restaurants around, and I'm going to start working on other things that are going to make me happy. And real estate, as you, as everyone's always been taught, was the millionaire's way to making wealth and doing the right thing. And so us kind of going in there and looking at downtown El Paso and seeing the opportunity and buying, you know, the Plum Building at 2013 and buying, you know, the Wet Building at 2016 with, with a group of partners – uh, was crazy because everyone's like, well, why'd you invest in El Paso? You know, why are you doing this in El Paso? It's never going to work in El Paso. It's El Paso. It's El Paso. And for me, if you, you don't start investing in your own community, how are you ever going to make it better? Mm, that's so true. Right? And, and, and you know, when you see these amazing business people who are, you know, the Fosters and the Hunts and they're putting money there, uh, they're billionaires for a reason, you know? So, you know, if you can have the opportunity to do so, you do that. And that's kind of how it started, uh, at least on, on the real estate side of things. And and a lot of mistakes and a lot of errors because what you're taught online and what you're taught through uh, YouTube, there's <laughs> things that people – that you really they, – they don't talk about. Yeah. And so that's when people fail and you have to figure that part out. Um, for CBD and, and the cannabis industry, it was kind of fell into it. When I left Deloitte in 2015, I joined a firm called BLCP Capital. And, you know, and we were in Arizona and it was just one of those things where – you know, I've never dabbled with any of that stuff. I had no idea what it was. And I always had kind of that like, oh, no, this is cannabis. This is, this is really, really bad. My mom's going to find out. I'm going to get in real trouble. <laughs> Who cares if you're 36, 7, 37 yeah. years old, 6'4", your mom's just still going to you know, throw yeah. a chocolate at you. And, 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 and the reality was um, once you educated yourself and went from there, our group had purchased a license out in Globe, and we called it Green Panda. And we, I owned and operated, and the skill set I learned from the restaurant industry helped a lot. And we branded it and marketed it, and we did very, very well. Uh, we, we sold it within a year. And then I realized, okay, CBD is great. Uh, we do, you know, vapes and carts. And we can manufacture it all in Asia and boxes and things of that sort. So we started heading in that direction because we still help people without all the stress that you were still having because it still wasn't federally legal, right? Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of a – when an opportunity comes, you take that opportunity you don't give yourself reason why you don't want to do it because it's just a reason. And for me, if an opportunity exists, I'm going to go do it. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and, and really just I had to learn it. And the way I learned about China, which is the same way I learned about everything else, was Googling it and researching it and reading it 
because my livelihood depended on it. Yeah. And that's the difference, right? If you spend as much time Googling things that you want to learn and do as you did trying to figure out how to put on your social media, everyone would be rich. Oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> everyone would be rich, right? Yeah, yeah. And we don't think it's a waste of time because we're trying to be superficial when we go out there. And I post every day, don't get me wrong. I mean, I post every single day. Yeah. But it's a business. It's a brand. That's all it is. But behind that post, the timelines are why I'm doing it, there's a real message. There is real work. There is real ability to try to get to that level because I want to do that, mm -hmm. right? It's not just putting my mug out there and saying, hey, give me a bunch of likes. Likes don't equal money unless you're huge. And even then, you still have to understand and create your brand. And it's so simple because if you, sp you put the time into it, it will work. Hmm. So, so that's kind of you know how, how we did it with learning from that, and then um, I got into blockchain and crypto, and it, you know that was a <laughs> that was a real interesting journey. <laughs> um, you know, when you're trying to do an emerging market, you really have to have the the, the ganas to really do it. That's what mm -hmm. I want to use. And again, I learned. I, I read it. I researched it. I tried to understand it. I talked to experts. I cared. And the funny thing about that skill set is we do it every single day. And nobody realizes it when it comes to their goals. You don't know how to get somewhere, you ask directions. You don't know how to cook something, you're, you're looking up. You don't know what you want to watch on TV, you're going to research it and you put it online and say, hey, what's a new Netflix show I can do? Why aren't you doing that with your own businesses in your life? And because of that skill set, uh, I started learning these different industries. And, you know, uh, the, the coin did all right. I mean, it, you know, we got into blockchain, we implemented some places. We almost uh, won Prince Hamden's 2020 Smart City Initiative. For the for Dubai's government. Oh wow! And um and we got there and, and we were a small little company, but we we're top four. And then I did that for about a year and a half, and then started GTF Capital, and started looking at investments, and you know found some good partners. But it was all the failures that had happened that allowed my allowed me to have some sort of success, and and move forward from there. How have you dealt with, you know, like the struggle, the failures that you've had? Like, what have you learned? It, like the biggest thing from those failures? Everybody fails, mm. right? There's not one person that doesn't fail. And, and I tell this all the time when I speak. I say, you know, most people are afraid to start because they are afraid that what people are going to say. And the thing about the Chinese culture, which is very similar to the Hispanic culture, is when you start, everyone's like, okay, you know, this is crazy. Why would you do this? You have to start running a cost-benefit analysis. I'm going to quit my job to do what I want to do and pursue. How can I really make it work? But you still have to pay your bills, right? And that's when I said there's 24 hours in a day, there's 168 hours in a week. If you worked a full-time job, went to the gym for two hours, spent three hours you know, doing what you want to do, you would still have six hours a day to do whatever the heck you want. You could still sleep a full seven hours. You can run the math. I mean, I promise you that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and what we don't realize, we start wasting those seven hours, yeah. right, of, of, of effectiveness, of the ability to try and go from there. Most people talk about how they put in 16 hours. They don't talk about how much they did in those 16 hours. That's you, so true, yeah. Right, you have to be effective. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to really, really work on it. And so I think that's kind of a really, really, really big factor in, in, in what I try to do and go from there. And I think the second thing is, as you're starting this journey and trying to make yourself work, the reality is people are going to laugh at you and they're going to make fun of you. And you're going to put yourself out there and you're going to be very uncomfortable. But it's the ones that do that. It's the Gary V's that, that basically ignore what people say. And, or, or at least address it in different ways that allow them to succeed because they're no different than you, me, or any of the listeners. We all, we, we all grow up with issues. We all have our, you know, our abilities to do so, but it's the, it's the opportunity to keep going. 
And I think the second thing is, is once you start getting that and you actually make it, then all of a sudden you've changed. Oh no, you've changed. You know, you think you're, you think you're better than us now, <laughs> yeah, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> because you're on TV and you're on, you know, CNN or whatever. And that's just kind of how it works. And, and then friends become so uncomfortable because they're not moving. And instead of working with you and trying to develop and grow with you, they become resentful, hence the term haters. And they're really just unhappy with themselves. And if you were just lucky enough to have a group that actually gave, you know, uh, cared about you and learned how to grow with you, then that would be better. And a lot of times that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then, you know, let's say you finally make it, right? Now you're to the top and, and everything works there. And then you retire. All of a sudden you're a has-been. Mm. So you don't win. You don't it's, win on it. Yeah. You don't win. So because you don't win, it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? I'm never going to win if I, if I don't start. I never mean anything to myself. I'm not going to win if I try, because if I fail, oh, you're a failure. If I actually make it, oh, you've changed. And if I retire, well, you know, you're, you're a has-been. <laughs> Listen, I'm never going to win. Yeah. But those people's opinions don't pay my bills. That's true. Right? Yeah. And because they don't pay anyone of your listeners' bills, who cares? Right? And that goes back to the perspective of the things that I have. And I'm not talking about anything material. It's, it's the fact that I can be around and be alive and hopefully impact one or two people with the same messages and the things that I've been very fortunate enough to learn over the course of the last five years of my life, which have really kind of changed my perspective on things. That's so interesting. And like being around, you know, someone like Gary Vee or like all these big names and these famous people, how have you checked your ego? Checking your ego to me is the most important thing. It's the first thing I tell anybody um, when it comes to business, right? Ego is not your amigo, right? <laughs> uh, and that I say that. That should be a shirt. <laughs> it should be a shirt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trademark that. We're branding that. it, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and the reality is this. If you knew everything, you would already be on top. Simple as that. You don't know everything. And you can never discount anybody. I have a cousin who wanted to come work at the restaurants one year. And he's, you know, he's in college and, and you know, he's going to decent school. And he goes, hey, I'm going to come work for you this summer. I said, great. He goes, I mean, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to manage. I started laughing. First thing I made him do was wash dishes. <laughs> you know, that was, that's our entry-level position. Nothing wrong with wrong dishes. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. At the end of the two-week period, I asked him why, what he got out of it. He said he learned a couple things. First thing he learned was the reason that we have no more silverware is because people throw them away. The second thing is he understands how hardworking these people are. So it gave him a sense of compassion and love towards the person that was working that hard. And third, he realized that to get to the top, you had to learn everything, right? And I'm constantly learning. And I can learn from someone young and someone old and anyone else in between. You have to constantly learn. You, you don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. Nobody. Nobody in this world does. And, and I think that as soon as you realize that, it becomes a great foundation of success because you're absorbing other people's knowledge to help grow yourself and then continue your journey. It's the moments where you think you know everything or you think things are unfair is when things completely stop, and that's a negative mindset. You know, So there is no power of negativity. There's only a power of positivity that I believe in that really makes a difference in your life. Mm. That's so cool. Wow. I mean, I'm loving this conversation so much right now. Like- all the time in the world, you tell me we're good. <laughs> so do – okay, you know, I always see all these videos on like, you know – you know, routine of successful people and things like that. Do you have a morning routine? Do you have, you know, things that you do every single day that kind of ensure that your day is going to go right? No, because the first question is, what is a routine of success is different to you as it is to me? Mm -hmm. 
And, and, and that's the first problem, right? There's core values and beliefs. Like you have to work hard and you have to grind and you have to grit and you have to not listen to the people that are haters. Mm-hmm. But there's another real reality, which is, is you have to prioritize what's important that day. You know, what you need to get done. You know, what your short-term goals are, what your mid-term goals are, what your long-term goals are. A short-term goal, you know, might be, I'm coming home, I'm going to have dinner with my mom tonight. You know, I'm, I'm going to be with my significant other tonight. But it's a daily goal you have to have because if you don't, they don't, you can't have a long-term goal. A long-term goal might be I'm going to invest in this property or do this type of business, and I'm going to start building something that I want to do, and for me it's esports, to kind of get to where I want to be in three years from now. That's my long-term goal. And my midterm goal is something that I know the next year or two is going to turn around and go from there. But I set these three different goals, and I prioritize them differently based on circumstances. Routines are great, and, and they work. And for many, many people, if you have a routine, knock yourselves out. For the ones who don't, it's okay. Uh, you're not, the world hasn't ended. It, but you have to realize the only routine you can't have is you cannot be lazy, and you cannot break the contract with yourself. In other words, you can lie to every single person on why you're not doing it, but you know deep down inside why it's not working. Mm. Don't break the contract with yourself. Hold yourself accountable. And from there, others will respect you, and then they'll hold themselves accountable. And, and so for me, my routine is what is important and how can I do it and, 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 and what, you know, what matters to me and my successes, and then I make those adjustments to go from there. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so do you feel personally that you've made it or do you feel like you're still trying to? I don't think I'm anywhere to, to making it. Um, you know, there's a real false sense of entrepreneurs right now. You know, although I have, you know, the things I put on social media, I have to figure out how to pay the mortgage every month. Hmm. You know, I have to figure out how to accumulate, you know, uh, wealth and, and how to make that grow consistently and with the ever trend, you know, changes and trends of the market. I have to figure out how to adapt with changes of new people. I have to figure out how to make those adjustments. I think when you actually make it is when you're truly happy. To me, that's making it, mm-hmm. right? It's not material. Now, if the material comes, that's great. And people are like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 you have it. You have no idea what I'm going through. There were days uh, where I was trying to figure out if I was going to pay my mortgage or if I was going to pay my house mortgage or the, or the business mortgage. If I would, all my employees were going to get paid first, and I would have to figure out how I was going to get out of debt. There were days where, you know, for about a good four months, we had to pay between having Wi-Fi, electricity, or gas, mm. and I had a Lamborghini outside. <laughs> and and that's okay. what people don't seem to understand because if I say that I'm being vulnerable and I'm not and I'm not oh well that doesn't mean you're you you succeeded. Let me tell you something. None of those guys out there <laughs> in social media world have ever been successful. Most of them, and until some sucker bought into their systems, right? If you actually go before that happened, what have they done? And, and, and that's, a, that's something that I want to tell a lot of people out here. There's a complete disconnect. And if you do talk to Gary or Steve or any of these guys, they're going to tell you the same thing, which is, you know, there's a serious disconnect because there are days where Gary has slept two hours and he doesn't see his kids for two weeks. There are days where, you know, he's very unhappy that he has to miss things. I mean, I'm the same way. But the reality is, if it matters to you, you're going to make it work, and you have to be happy. Well, it just doesn't matter. So yeah. no, I don't think I've, I don't think I've made it by any which means. I don't think I'm ever going to quote unquote make it to the level of success that that some of these people are. Not because I don't believe in myself, but it's because the cost benefit ratio to me of trying to become a billionaire or or anything of that level is not worth not spending time with my friends and family. It's not worth not being able to see my niece grow up. 
It's not worth me trying to start a family. It's not worth it to me. It's just mm. not. And, and, and you know, if, if I make what I do make, then that's enough for me. But that's the difference between now and, and maybe five, ten years ago because I'm truly happy now, and, and that's the difference. That's beautiful. Thank and you. I think that's very important for people to hear because I think we've, especially with social media, we just see what everyone has, the success, you know, quote unquote, and like, and the materials and the traveling and all of that's great. But then at the end of the day, like, do you go home to a family or your significant other? Are you loved? Do you feel loved? Do you love yourself? Like what are you connected spiritually to yourself or to a higher being? Like what is your purpose? It's finding your purpose and, you know, either using it to help others or benefit the world in some way or something bigger than yourself. Because I feel like if you only focus on yourself, you'll only have yourself. And then at the end, you're like, oh, <laughs> no one else is here. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that's what, again, that's why a lot of the, these big major people um, are so unhappy and they're divorced and they're alone or they off themselves, unfortunately, because they're so unhappy because they've lost the key to happiness, right? Mm-hmm. The key to happiness is not being able to buy everything. And although it's people are like, well, that's easy to say, but it really isn't, you know? But it's also not sitting around all day long with your friends and family and not doing anything because then there's no self-worth. There has to be a balance, you have yeah. to have Exactly. You have yeah. to have, find that balance. And I think that's significant for everyone here to understand is you have to find the balance. And it starts with understanding what you're appreciative about mm-hmm. for your five things or, or, or my case right now what you have. And, and I think that makes a significant difference and impact. It's a mindset, you know. I, I love social media for one thing, and I remember reading this one day. Uh, there's two types of people on social media, right? There's the really positive ones, and there's the really negative ones. And lately, there's been a lot of positive ones. People mm-hmm. start sharing everything positive. I, I read a, a person, I can't even remember who it was. This is only negative, and I actually just unfollowed the person because they were being negative. Like, oh, I hate seeing all this positivity. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to look at you. You're negative, yeah, right? Yeah. Positivity doesn't mean you're foo-foo and it doesn't exist. It just means that you're grateful for the things that you have, yeah, right? And that makes you positive that you can endure and get more. Whereas if you're just griping and you're being you know, negative and unhappy, how the heck is that ever going to help you? No one wants to be around someone like that. Honestly, no. It yeah. stinks, right? <laughs> like, they're called energy suckers, yeah, right? Yeah. You walk in a room and they're sucking all your energy. Yeah. That's not who I want to be around. And so... Yeah. So I like seeing those things, and that helps with my mindset because I'm consistently trying to do the things. And when stuff hits the fan, mm-hmm. right, you got to take a deep breath. You got to realize there's literally no control. And the thing about control is you don't, nobody has control. Yeah. None of us have control. You know, I, I use Kobe. You know, rest of soul is a simple example. Great basketball player. Everyone knows, knows who he was. He touched so many lives. He just retired two years ago so he could spend time with his family. And out of nowhere on a Sunday, him and his daughter and seven other people die. He had all the money in the world. He finally was working with his family. He finally did what he wanted to do. He had just won a major award, and he died. There's no control. So if you're worried about six months from now or 10 months from now, don't. We're not guaranteed six to 10 months from now. And and people don't understand that. We're just not. Yeah. So mend the, the problems that you need to mend. Work the relationships you have to work out. Enjoy the, the short-term times. doesn't mean that you don't plan about six, you know, the things they have to do six months around, 10 months from now, but just be grateful for those things because I promise you if you, if, if you don't make it out there, whatever you're worried about 10 months ago, 10 months from now, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It won't even exist because yeah. you won't exist, Yeah. right? So again, being grateful for the little things I think makes a big difference and just realizing you have no control is probably the most peaceful thing I've ever learned in my life. That is seriously like... 
it's so simple, but it's so true because as a control freak myself, like I, it, it's like hearing that it just, it's like, that's true. So I'm going to just chill out and just keep doing what I'm doing without stressing myself out. Like, you know, cause it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. The only thing it yeah. does is it gets you upset. Yeah. And then it messes with your mindset and your yeah. focus on the negative. Yeah. And then what happens is you start projecting that negativity around everyone that you love. And I always tell people this. Why are we more polite to strangers than we are our family members? Ooh, that's so true. Think about it. Yeah. Statistically speaking, if you meet a stranger and they call you something, the odds are you're going to not want to offend them and you go from there. But if your significant other says something or your friend says something, you're going to pop off and get upset. Why? Huh. Why? Because we're not appreciative of it. Mm. Right? We assume that they're always going to be around. We assume that they're going to be there. Nobody has to be around anybody. It's a choice. We all choose. Our parents don't have to be with us. Right? Our kids don't have to be with us at a certain point. Our significant other doesn't have to be with us. They choose to be with us because we add value to them in a sense that they feel grateful for. And because that is the situation that it is, you should be very, very grateful for things that happen. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why I said, like, no control. I always say this, when things do go out of town, like, it's all going to work out. It always does. Yeah, it does. It Honestly, really does. it does somehow, some way, it works out. It does work out. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who's looking into getting involved in, uh, in being a business owner or an entrepreneur or kind of following similar steps that you've taken? I think the first thing is, is is again, after you change your mindset and you realize what you're grateful for and you realize that it doesn't matter what anyone says, because like I said, it doesn't matter if you start or if you end, right? You're still a husband one way or the other, mm-hmm. is, is then really putting in the work. And that's when people start getting lost. I've had plenty of business partners that I was going to work with, and I, they, they say they're going to give me something, they don't give it to me, or they're going to make this business plan, and they don't make the business plan. And I always tell people make a a basic business plan. Why? Because every investor and every partner wants to see the business plan. They want to know that you've written out and you've thought out and you understand the financial issues that are going to happen and the economic issues that are going to happen and why you as a business person, your product, whether you're a singer, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a video gamer, whether you're a doctor, they want to know that that investment's going to work and that you put in the effort to learn that stuff to combat a market, right? The uncertainties of that market. And I think that's the very first step. And where most people start failing is they refuse to Google business plan. And when they don't understand something, they don't, if it says financial, oh, I don't know how to do financials. Google how the heck financials work. That's how I learned every little <laughs> yeah. thing. And once you do that and realize that there, that you have no limitations, right, in learning, because we're all taught we have limitations, but there's no limitations. The only limitations are the ones that we set on ourselves or we let other people set on us. Things get much more easier. Why can't I learn it? Why can't I be better? Look, I'm an immigrant from another country who is homeless, who's a college dropout, who made part of the world's largest accounting firm, who has failed and succeeded and, and done everything in between. I am no different from any single person in here. I'm no better. I'm no worse. I am just a human being. But the opportunity is I just want to learn it, and I do. And that's what makes the difference between everyone else. And any single person out there who says I can't do that, that is absolutely not true. Sorry about that. Absolutely not true because – People learn statistics on athletes, right? They, they, Insane. Like they, people they, can memorize like everything. insane facts and craziness. Right. Yeah. And, and is it because you're not smart? Is it because you have a bad memory? No. It's because it mattered to you. Yeah. Right? So, so if it matters to you, then things will work out the way they should. And so I would say 
Start the business plan, understand that, and then go pitch it to everybody around you and let them poke as many holes as they can and don't take it personal because then they are either hating or they're being honest. And that's the best part. The people around you are one or the other. So if they're hating, you realize what you have to do. If they're being honest, you realize what you have to do. Ego is not your amigo. You redo it again and again and again. And then you start learning different things and listening and understanding and educating. And then you have to do the magical thing called actually having the goals to do it. And when you actually do it and you go out there and you put yourself out there, recognize it's probably not going to work the first time, the second time, the hundredth time. You have to adjust and go from there, but you still do it. Yeah. Right? And our basic form, we've all taught, we've all been able to do that because as we first started learning how to walk, we all fell on our butts. Mm-hmm. And did any baby, you know, just, just inherently still gets up and keeps walking. A little bit of crying, they get upset, they get frustrated, they get up and keep walking. We have all done that as human beings. So it's already ingrained in us. So it, we have the opportunity to, be able to keep going that and going from there. Wow. That's incredible. I love, I'm like loving, I think this is like probably one of my favorite podcasts well, episodes feel, we've done so far. Thank you. I feel good. Thank you. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much value in this conversation. But um, one last thing, you're going to be speaking at South by Southwest. You spoke last year. Right. What are you going to be speaking about? How can we, you know, is there a way to tune in or are you going to post it afterwards? So I, I will post um, what we talked about in South by Southwest, uh, you know, on, on our Panonomics podcast. Uh, our guest that weekend is Jess Estrada. She is a minority business owner from Brooklyn, from Puerto Rico, uh, who is a CEO of this company called Hue, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a product with Matt Barnes, who played in the NBA. Uh, there are 132 stores. But she talks about, you know, we have these honest discussions about business and where we're failing and how good she really is doing. She gave herself a clap in the hands. She'll be there. Um, Jeremy Roenick, who, if you watched hockey, was probably one of the best hockey players ever. Uh, there's a scene in, in Swingers where they say it's not, you know, Vince Vaughn's playing video games. He's like, it's not so much me as it is Roenick. Uh, <laughs> that's how big this guy is. He's a business partner of mine. He'll be there. Uh, Gary Kitchen, he basically was the VP of Nickelodeon. He was he founded uh, Donkey Kong for Home, Bart versus Space Mutants. He'll be there. He's a business partner of mine. Um, but we'll be talking about work-life balance in business and how they succeeded and how they, just like what you're doing, giving great content out and how they avoided all the bad issues in life and how they can move forward from it and what happens after they retire. What does JR do from the superstar hockey player that everybody knows and has made it and made the Olympic team and now is retired, and how did he maintain his wife and his life and his legacy and move into esports with me? And Gary Kitchen, this guy who invented Donkey Kong, we all know this, and, and, and it was the VP of Nickelodeon Studios, and it didn't work the way it wanted to work, and how he recovered from that uh, and, and continued to do what he did. And, and Jess, you know, how a small-town girl from Brooklyn came out of nowhere and met this NBA player and didn't give up and keep moving forward with it. Those stories, your story, Elia, my story, is the same story. It was just a matter of just keep going at it and really, really understanding how the world the world really works and that you have no control <laughs> and go from there. And, and I do want to say one last thing. I say this to everybody every single time I speak. And I say this, I said, look, you have survived 100% of your worst days. Think about it. Every time you, your heart was broken and you're crying, you're upset, you didn't think you live anymore, you found someone else. Every single time that you, you lost your job and you think you're gonna do it, you have another job. Every single time you lost someone that you truly loved and it was so difficult, you're still continuing to move from here. Every single one of us are survivors. 
And we have to give ourselves credit for that. And that is why the uncertainty can make you feel certain that you will survive every little thing. And, and I think that's so important to put it in perspective because you survived 100% of your worst days. Wow. When you put it like that, it's, it's like, I have. Wow. I, you actually <laughs> have. Like, just you saying that, I was, everything was like flashing back in my mind of like, crap, I have. That's, yeah, that's an incredible thing to think about and remind yourself of every single day because, you know, you just have to, like you said, be grateful for where you are in this moment. You do, you do. Yeah. And, and again, it's not foo-foo, right? Yeah. But you have to give yourself that credit. Yeah. You know how hard it is to survive a, a bad day, a heartbreak, a death, a failure? It's very, very difficult. But yeah. you're still here. It didn't end you. <laughs> We're still doing it. You're still doing it. It didn't ruin you. You're still, you're yeah. still doing it. So, yeah. so I do believe that you survived 100% of your worst days. Where can people follow you? Where can we find you? Pimp yourself out. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram, I am David Chen Panda. Um, P-A-N-D-A, uh, no Panda Express relation, unfortunately. <laughs> on LinkedIn, you can also find me as David Chen. Uh, I have a website. It is davidchenpanda.com. And for my podcast, it's Pandanomics on Apple and Spotify. Um, but I'll be around. Yeah. Perfect. If anyone, if anyone needs anything, message me. I'll yeah. talk to them. Yeah, and I will link everything down below. So excited for your South by Southwest talk and everything that you have in the future. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Restless Podcast. And we'll Th- see you next time. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Restless Podcast. Until the next episode, stay motivated, stay hungry, and stay restless.